0: But if you have your Bibles, please open them up. Go to Romans chapter 12. And as we go through Romans chapter 12, strategically, I love what God's doing in this. Not just in this book, but also within my own heart and within our congregation. As we can see today, God willing, which is what we've been praying for and we set up, we're going to do a collaborated outreach, a sidewalk outreach as we call it. And Romans chapter 12 teaches us about serving the Lord within the church. Can we all stand if you're able to? We're going to start reading from verse 1. Oh, something just fell there. So Romans chapter 12, we're going to start reading from verse 1. Romans 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you again for your holy word. Thank you, Lord, how you strategically lay these things out in Romans, how we learn doctrine about how to get saved, who saves us, and what you do, who you are. And then we learn about Israel. And now, Lord, we're learning about the application of all these things here in Romans chapter 12. We're to dedicate our bodies to you, a living sacrifice. We're to surrender ourselves to you that your spirit can renew our minds. And now you're telling us thoughts, our thought patterns, and what we need to renew. Lord, I know I need that. Oh, Father, we pray to you in the name of Jesus. Empower us by your spirit that you renew our thought life, even here and now, for each and every one of us, Lord. Speak to us, God. Convict our hearts. Help us, For we pray in Jesus' name amen amen thank you you guys could have a seat if you would please so now you and I are digging deeper into this applicational part of this book of Romans and as we look at again chapter 12 remember verse one we need to dedicate what dedicate our bodies a living sacrifice And then we learn in verse two it's not just the body to dedicate holy, fully to god but also our minds he says to not be conformed to the world but be transformed and he says by the renewing of your mind oh i got to give my whole body to god and now my my whole thought life and he's a transformation again like the caterpillar turned to the butterfly completely radically different and then i would say uh-huh <laughs> okay so that's verse two so now as we get into this it's helpful to know in chapter 12 the road that you're going down. Now we have some folks that you know work for say the MTA, right? It's helpful when you get on the bus. I'm sure you see when they get on the bus, oh wrong wrong bus. <laughs> they quickly get off. Now, how many of you have taken a bus or a subway here in New York City? Do you just jump on one of them? You're like, oh, just take me wherever I'm gonna go. No. You usually want to know the route that you're heading. And we have the M train over here. You jump on the M train. Where are you going? Well, from here, the end point, I'm going to go into and through Manhattan. So it's good to know, it's helpful to know the path, the route that you're headed. And what I'm getting at is chapter 12 is laid out as such. That chapter 12 in Romans, now the application of everything we've been learning for 11 chapters so far, is now that you're saved, you're part of the body of Christ, now God wants you and I to serve the Lord in the body of Christ. Makes sense, right? Does that make sense to anybody? Hopefully it does. So before we get, get to, look at verse 11 even, Romans 12 verse 11, it says, serving the Lord. This is the path, this is the trajectory, that's the line, if you're using that MTA terminology that we're on, we're going to go towards serving the Lord. And in chapter 12 of Romans, we know, hey, this is one of the very few chapters in the entire Bible That speaks about spiritual gifts. How many of you guys know that? Romans 12 is about spiritual gifts. So I need spiritual gifts to serve the Lord. That's the path. That's the trajectory. That's the line that you're on. The road ahead is that of serving the Lord, as in verse 11. And it's, again, helpful to know where we're headed. So we're to serve one another in the church with spiritual gifts, as we'll soon see. But there's something in the way... For you and me, and what is that? Well, verse two, we need a transformation, a renewal of the mind. Anybody know that here? I know that. Anybody know that daily? Any of you guys woke up today and you're like, you're reminded of this. I I need you to change my mind, even me. So now, after learning in verse two that you must surrender to God's Spirit, so that you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What's God doing? Well, we now come to the very first thought patterns that God is trying to renew in our minds. What is that? Again, let's look at verse 3. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Look at verse 3. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think. Notice in this verse we hear of that word think three times. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think soberly, like I'm calling this today, think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So ladies and gentlemen, as you and I come to now, pass passing through, is like a stop on the train or, or bus, pass through verse 2, there's a renewal of my thought life. Now verse 3, he tells you the very first thing that the Holy Spirit is right now trying to do through you and me. I know that he's been doing this in me, and he's trying to, he's wanting to, he's willing to, 24-7. Any of you know that that's you? You know he's trying to renew you. So what is that that I should do? Ah, I love this. God's. this is why he must be taught strategically throughout the chapter and throughout the entire book and throughout the Bible. Contextually, now verse 3, what's the very first thought pattern that God is right now trying to renew? I'm going to personalize, personalize this for you. In your mind. Christian, what's the very first thought pattern that God is trying to renew in your mind? Verse three, don't think so highly of yourself. Think soberly. Now, how many of you? I'm gonna raise my hand because this has been me the whole week. I'm trying to prepare. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit has been grilling you on this? Okay, we got a couple honest people. <laughs> That's all of us, right? That's all of us. So He's telling you and I, don't think so high of yourself. True. Ah, what do I need to do then? Think soberly. That is, be humble not proud. So if you're here today, whether you're listening on YouTube or Facebook or wherever you are or you're here in the crowd and you're listening to this and you know I'm a I'm a born-again spiritual Christian, I've read this already, I hear about spiritual gifts, i prayed, I've been praying for for these spiritual gifts, but why ain't they flowing? Why is the Spirit of God and the power of God not so much coming upon, into, and through me. And I've been praying that for years. What you probably haven't done is what? Verse 3. Drew, don't think so highly of yourself. Now, why is that important? I'll tell you one of the reasons. I'm sure you can come up with a boatload of reasons. I know for myself and how I've been greatly convicted how this is extremely important. Why? Because in order for me to serve you and to serve other people with spiritual gifts within God's church, I cannot think of myself as higher than you, better than you. Does that make sense? And so this is the problem we have. Anybody know that? That's probably one of your biggest problems in serving God. Is this noggin gets in the way, your thought life. And so verse 2, after dedicating your body and living sacrifice, verse 1, now verse 2, surrender to God's spirit that he would renew your mind. He wants to transform your thought life. You can't think like the old trashy days. It doesn't work. And that might be what we're still doing. So, okay, I got it. I read, I, I quantify how many gifts there are and where they are. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4. I, I see them. But why aren't they flowing? Why is it that I don't have your power? I've been prayed for. I read about Acts chapter 2. Oh, lay hands on this. Let's, let's have our day of Pentecost here. Why is it not happening? Let me just say it to you. Can I just talk to you how I went on the streets? Bro, sis... Maybe it's like what God's grilling my heart for. What is that? I'm thinking too highly of myself. Because the Spirit of God in the way of Jesus doesn't work in the way of, I think I'm better. Does that make sense? And in order for the Spirit of God to flow like living water with spiritual gifting, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. Spirit of God flowing out of your life especially and particularly and specifically through spiritual gifting is not going to happen if I think oh they're so blessed to have me in their life and we all have issues with that am I the only one with issues with that we all have issues who who here feels they have issues with the fact of you think too highly of yourself and this might be why God's not using your life this is the reason why look at this in verse 3 that God has to sober me up. I'm not talking about my drinking days because it's been, I don't know how many years, like almost 30 años, almost 30 years. I don't know how, 20 something years since I drank. It's not that kind of sober. Not smoking pot either. Not that kind. It's legal now. No. You think sober, but it's not just the drugs and alcohol. What he's talking about now is your estimation of who you are. Listen to this. Not just against another person or people or anybody in antiquity or history. Compared to Jesus Christ. So how am I? Who am I compared to Jesus Christ? Man, I'm nothing. And that's where I need to be. That's a humble estimation of self. So hopefully God's been growing your heart, because he's been growing my heart. I could just testify of that. So the only way you and I can do this to have an accurate assessment of ourselves is for you and I to compare ourselves against Jesus Christ. And it's like, wow. I got a lot of mature. Any of you know them? I got a lot of mature. I got a lot of growth. Okay, these are honest people and that's good. So, because you and I learned that we should serve God with spiritual gifts. This is the one of the very, very, very few chapters in the Bible that speaks of the gifts and will list them and delineate them one from another. Romans 12 is one of them. So, I don't want to just run through. The teacher me wants to run through again. The pastor me has been grilled. It's like, oh, well, Lord, you're dealing with this in my heart. And there's a good chance if you're greatly convicting me this way, I know he's probably speaking to one or some, or maybe all you guys miss. So this is the problem that even I have constantly to deal with. I think too highly of myself. It's not just thinking too much about yourself, it's thinking too highly of myself. And I want God to use my life. But if I think too highly of myself, and I think I'm better than other people, I'm not going to serve them. I'm not going to be their servant. I'm not going to be your servant. I'm going to look at it like in the world. Here's the world's thought life. The thought track, so to speak, of the world. The world will say, use people and things. And when you're done with them, get rid of them. That's why the world is so trashy. And you can feel like the world just uses you and spits you out. Anybody been there? That's how it is in the world. But you know what Jesus thinks? He thinks this way, Mark 10. If you're taking notes, we'll get to this, God willing, in a little bit. Mark 10, verse 45, it says, oh, hey, guys. It says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Wow, that's Jesus Christ. And when we study the Bible, we learn that Jesus is God right tracking along with me on that listen Jesus is God and when he came here he came not to be served you would think the king comes the God who created you and I all things were created by him for him through him and you would think he comes this planet becomes one of his creation and you would think we would all sit there and go wow let us serve you. And he'd be like, oh yes. Bless me, bless me, bless me. I deserve it, don't I? Because he's God and He does deserve it. He's the only one worthy. That's that word worship. You're declaring the worthiness to give that type of adoration to him. That's that word worship or worship. And he'd be right in doing so, but that's not him. He came here to be a servant. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That does not make sense to anybody on this planet. But that's how these principles and the grace of God is. And for you and I to mimic Jesus Christ, who was God in the heavens and then became birthed through this earth, into this earth through a virgin, think about how who He is and how He did it. Now, and when I was playing around with this in our minds with my family, like, okay, if you were God, which we're not obviously, and you were going to leave heaven and you wanted to come to this planet, you're going to be one of your creation, what kind of a situation would you have when you're birthed in this planet? Would you want to be birthed in the best, most sanitary hospital? Who's that? Yeah, that's logical. Would you want to be born to a poor family, <laughs> no room in the inn. And like, where's the baby carriage? What do you mean we don't have one? Oh, what's that? That dog bowl there, that animal's feeding trough. That thing's dirty and stinky. How, how do you know there's no worms or cockroaches in there? Well, Joseph, we don't have anything to put the baby in. Put the baby in that. <laughs> Would anybody here want that to be your testimony? Your birth, your mom and dad say, "Well, we didn't really have money." There was no place to put you. What do you mean? Where was I born? Out well, in the wilderness. Uh, do we have like a baby carriage? I bet you had one of those rock star ones, right? Those real nice ones? Nah. We just got this animal's feeding trough and we threw you in there. It was kind of nice. And then some people came and they gave us things like gold and frankincense. <laughs> They're like, wow. <laughs> but we had nothing. Now, if you were to construct your testimony of how you would want to leave heaven and come to this planet. It's like, hallelujah, I am here. (laughs) You would not be born into this planet that way. Anybody testify to that? You would not have chosen that. And that's your Jesus. We're even told about how he would look. There's no form or comeliness that we would look upon him. You would say in our terminology, he wasn't just an average looking guy, he was less than average. You look at it like, ugh. Now, would that be your testimony of you, second person Holy Trinity, Jesus, leaving heaven, be birthed this earth? Wouldn't you want to be like some tall, dark, and handsome dude, like good-looking guy? Most of us would say, yeah, I you know, I want to have a good hair. I want hair. <laughs> How many of you would have challenges to be like the society would call, hey, that might be kind of ugly. Well, no, it couldn't be Jesus because I've watched The Chosen. I watch all these movies. Oh I, Mel Gibson says, I want a handsome Jesus. Oh, but that doesn't sell tickets. That doesn't make money. But that's what the Bible shows. You could read like in Isaiah 53. No former comeliness that we would look upon him. It's like your eyes would turn away. It's like, oh, it's kind of hard to look at. That's Jesus. So think about these things. The world thinks, use people and things. Get what you want out of them, then throw them away, just trash it. And that's what we end up doing in our relationships. That's a worldly way of thinking. Jesus says, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. He ransomed your life and mine. And now he wants you to mimic that example. So therefore, the transformed thought life should think this way. Since Jesus served me and gave his life for me, I must become a servant to others. I'm going to say that again because someone needs to hear this. Since Jesus served me and gave his life for me, I must become a servant to others. And let me add a little postscript there. Even to the people that will reject you like Jesus did. Even the people that you love and will spit at you. No, I don't want to do that. I just want to serve and love people that'll say, hey, good job. It's like, yes. I'm so humble. Did you see my humility, Lord? Oh, yes. I want to thank Jesus, the Father, the Spirit. You know, we can do that. And that's also a form of pride. So let's go back to this in verse 3 again. It says, Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. This word for think and highly it's this word hooper froneo. Hooper froneo. Think of the word hyper in English. Excessive. We have hyper thoughts about ourselves. It's like, oh come on, I'll be humble. He says no. <laughs> Don't think hyper thoughts about yourself. Don't think it means to think more highly of oneself than is proper. And because we're born sinners and live in this fallen world every single one of us except jesus christ has a problem with that can anybody testify or admit that couple honest people here we all do right i'm telling you i have a problem with this we all do strong says this about this word be vain or arrogant and that's a little more direct a little more personal where the person might say well i'm not vain come on, i'm not vain i'm not arrogant give me a break i'm not as bad as you you're a stinking sinner well that's arrogance (laughs) And that wells up within our hearts. Am I the only one that has issues of this? I think we do, right? And I need to call this out, not just for myself, but also maybe for someone here. So think about this, guys. This is also perhaps a key reason why many people don't serve God. Because they may think, I'm better than other people. You should be serving me. I used to think like that in the world. I'm not saying everybody does that. But that might be a key issue or a key reason why someone doesn't serve God. They may think of themselves, quote, more highly than they ought to think. And instead, they're like, oh, but God used my life. And Jesus, through the power of the Spirit, will speak to that person. Serve me. Don't call me Lord. He says, why do you call me Lord? And not do the things I say. That convicts my heart. I'm like, okay, I don't want to just call you Lord. It's like a flippant title. I need to do what my Lord says. i got to be his servant then. Because, you know, if you call him Lord, it's indicative of a relationship. Do you know that? There's only one Lord and many servants. But many times we want to call him Lord and act like we're Lord. Lord, now I want you to do this. And he'd be like, "Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, Peter. No, no, no. (laughs) Step to the side, right? You'll be chopping off ears. I'll be healing the people. But no, you don't tell me. I'll tell you. So what's ironic is I'm sure that there's people that want their lives to be fulfilled... They want their lives with purpose. They, they want to know God's will. They want to know their spiritual gifts. They want to answer that calling. I'm going to discover and do my calling. But they're not willing to step down here. Or let me be specific. Between here and here. <laughs> Everybody do this. Can you? Between your fingers lies the problem. If you've already got past verse 1. I dedicated my body to you as a living sacrifice. The problem is between your fingers right there. You might be like maybe the Holy Spirit's grilling somebody here. You might be dealing with this issue like I do where it's that I think too highly of myself. And instead, he wants me to be humble, to think soberly. To think soberly, it's like let me give you a wake-up call, Drew. Either I and this is one one of the ways I like to describe it. I remember learning this There's humility and humiliation. Humility is when I choose to step down. Humiliation is where he's like, i just grabbed that chair. No. (laughs) Wow, you didn't have to make that public? Like, uh uh-huh. Because you were humbling yourself, Drew. And what does that do? That sobers us up, right? Ah, it's a wake-up call. So someone here might need a wake-up call. Perhaps thinking too high of ourselves, spiritual gifting doesn't flow through us. And then now we're not walking in God's power. So as you're praying, God, give me the gifts. And the Spirit of God's like, I've gifted you. I want you to step down. I want you to stop thinking so highly of yourself. No, oh, you want to use me. Now is the time. I read the Bible. I memorized the verse. Use my life. I can quote the chapter words it's in. Desire earnestly the better gifts. I've been doing that. Use my life. Aha. Put on the prayer chain. Month goes by. A year goes by. Five years goes by. Ten years goes by. But I've been attending. I've been giving. I've been going. I've been reading. I've been fasting for it. And Holy Spirit's like, okay, remember that? Mm -hmm. Your problem is between this finger and that finger is you think too highly of yourself, true. I can't use you. Because when I do, if I do, you're going to rip off my glory. Does that make sense? God will share His glory with no man what it says in the bible so here's what jesus did in his humility i don't want to talk about what would jesus do this is not biblical what did jesus do what did he do in his humility uh by the way if you're here if you're in romans turn to the right go to philippians can you i want you to know where this is and we're not going to get very far on chapter 12 here in romans i i don't believe god's letting me go through this further maybe not for you but at least for myself i'm like God, it's like you're putting the brakes on here. i got to deal with this. it's good for me to confess this too, to you guys. Philippians 2, it's here on the display, but I want you to know where it is in the Bible. If you're in Romans, you can make a right turn and go to Philippians chapter 2. Here's what it says in verse 5. You can see it also on the display. It says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Right away you're told... This is how you need to think. Okay, Renew your mind. This is how you need to think. Verse 6, Who, being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God. Christ Jesus is God. We know that, right? Verse 7, But made himself of no reputation, taken the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. We celebrate that during Christmas. Jesus left heaven and was birthed into this earth through a virgin. So he came sin-free into this world, became one of his creation, and he didn't come like, rock on, I'm the king, serve me, worship me, I'm it. Coke says, Coke is it? No, I'm it, worship me. He didn't do that. That would have been arrogant. He came as a bondservant. He came to serve. And can I say this? As a minister in the heavenlies, your great high priest, he's still serving you a lot of us forget that he's still serving you you're sleeping he's still serving you he's still watching over you he's still protecting you he's still providing for you i could cry just thinking about how beautiful that is and here's what it says going further verse 8 and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself now we're talking about humbling even lower he he's a creator of all things john 1 colossians 1 hebrews 1 tells you he created everything angels, the animals, the people, the planets. Everything was created by him, for him, through him. Nothing that you see was made without him, including you, including me. He humbled himself, though, and became one of his creation. Of all galaxies, that came to this one. Of all planets, that came to planet Earth. And of all species, he became a human being, homo sapien. Came like you and me. And what does he do? He's humbling himself even further, born into a poor family we would say in the old days he po folk he he grew up with some po folk man he didn't have anything think about that and i was talking about this even my son josh remember like never when they're asking jesus about money he's like who's got a coin here he didn't even have money on him the money preachers will tell you yeah he had a nice room no he didn't have money who's got a coin here is what he said to the crowd Whose image is on that? Caesar. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give God, give to God what belongs to God. You've got God's image on you. So he was poor. And look at this again in verse 8. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Philippians 2, verses 5 to 8. So as God in heaven, Jesus humbled himself and was birthed into this earth as a man and as a bond servant to serve others. He wouldn't even say, don't crucify me on this. I could lead you to the scriptures. You wouldn't even say that he was just that good-looking, tall, dark, and handsome guy. He wouldn't be the one that the movie directors would say, I'm going to get you, Jesus, to play Jesus in the movies. Mel Gibson wouldn't hire him. Why? I'm going to sell tickets with that face. That might sound funny, and I'm not trying to invoke comedy. I'm saying that's reality. So there's something that the world says, and there's something that the Bible says. That's the humility that he took. But that's not how you would script it, would it? That's how he did it. And John 13 even teaches us, you guys know the story. I'm even getting convicted here. I told my wife about this. I like to set this up. I'm going to throw this out there. I think next week we need to go back to John 13. I'm looking at my wife. I asked her yesterday. I'm getting convicted that I I need to do like Jesus did. John 13 teaches us Jesus humbled himself further before he's going to a cross. And he says in John 13, verse 34, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. What was his example that he used of loving one another? He washed dirty, stinky feet, (laughs) including the feet of Judas Iscariot. Now, let me ask you, Christian, would you wash the feet of Judas Iscariot, knowing that that guy's going to backstab you? How would you wash them? Would it be, this little piggy went to the market, (laughs) this little piggy? (laughs) I'm going to wash your feet. Who's got steel wool? (laughs) So Jesus loved his disciples and even loved them to the end, including Judas Iscariot. I mean, I think, well, you know, how that's, my heart is, wow. Like, I can't do that. But that's the example. And what does he say? By this, by that kind of love, that the world will know that you're my disciples. So you want to be a follower of Jesus? Guess how you're going to be preaching to people with your life, not your words. How many of you guys know that? Your relatives don't listen to what you say, do they? How many of you know your relatives don't listen to what you say? Even your Christian relatives. Right? They don't listen to what you say. What do they do? They watch. Right? They watch. And some like like, mm-hmm, I'm going to watch till you fall. Then I'm going to like, look at that. No, but God will rescue you. And he'll help you. And what it is that God wants to do through your life is he wants to use your example. And by you loving one another, and this is where we practice it. Well, come on, can I just love people that are strangers? That's easy. Why? Because later on I feel nervous about it. Later on I know when they check my doctrine, they're going to know I misquoted the Bible or something. I'm never going to see them again. That's why I've talked to a lot of missionaries. I even felt this doing missions. Like, you can feel a little more comfortable and confident doing missions sometimes or preaching to people that you don't know. Why? I'm not going to see them again. Anybody know that it exists? But you go to your coworker or the mission next door to where you live or you open the door and the person that's like 10 feet from you that's hard to preach to so it's your life that should be preaching right so what did jesus do he humbled himself further he put on the garment of a household slave the lowest slave in the household and now what was his clothing this sort of Towel, so so to speak, as he'd wash feet. Oh, you got nice feet, but yeah, he would wash like dirty, stinky feet. Like you imagine Peter, and they had like open-toed sounds. Can you imagine like walking through the desert kind of areas for your whole life, and then it's all crusty. You got bunions, and the toes are all. <laughs> He's washing feet with now what would be his clothing? Would you wash people's feet, dirty, stinky feet, with people's with your clothing? That's now the vision or the, the visuals that they had that they experienced so he humbled himself by washing the feet of his 12 disciples and he said that's how the world's going to know that you're my follower you need to follow this example and i'm sure those 12 disciples the when you're interpreting the bible you got to look at the first recipient audience make sense okay so the first recipient audience of that john 13 preaching were the 12 disciples including jews is scared so later on the 11 we're like wow yo he washed the feet of jews iscariot and that boy he tricked him sabotaged him he was stealing the money i didn't know all that and jesus knew everything and he still washed his feet we'd be cracking the toes splitting them breaking them off like you don't need that toe because <laughs> you know that, that guy's gonna sabotage you and yet he didn't do that and that's our example and jesus says that's how the world's gonna know that you're my follower not by bible knowledge not by many things that he could say, not how articulate you can preach or how holy you can make yourself look, but by your love that you'll have one for another. So church, guys, gang, we practice here. This is why I love when people serve here because you're practicing to love one another and you got to get through all the junk, all the filth that you and I do, this internal thought life. Again, go like this. Put one finger here on this side of the head, one finger here on this side of the head. That's your problem. You're holding your problem. If you've already dedicated your body a living sacrifice, Romans 12, verse 1, your problem is now your thought life. This might be why the Holy Spirit's empowerment and the gifting is not flowing. So after Jesus humbled himself further by putting on a garment as a household slave and washing the feet of his 12 disciples he now humbles himself even further and served all of us served you by going and dying on a cross for your sins as if to say and the whole bible preaches this that's the example to follow and so now he says you want to be my disciple luke 9 verse 23 step one deny yourself and your flesh is like "Uh uh-uh i don't want to that's why many of us won't serve him Step two, take up your cross daily. And your flesh is like, wait a minute, that means I'm going to die in humiliation. I don't want to do that. I got too much pride. Exactly. And then he says, follow me. So why can't we get to the follow me part? You're in the way. Any of you know that? That might be the thing. That might be why you're here now. So Jesus is the ultimate example, folks, of a transformed and renewed thought life. He didn't have to have a transformational Renewal of the mind. He just was. And He exemplified it. And praise God that these biblical writers chronicled it for you and I. They wrote it down for us. Another passage here that I mentioned to, I alluded to. I want to show here. This is one of the examples where Jesus taught about being humble and serving others. Now, if you want to serve God, if you want, who here wants to know their calling with God? Wants spiritual gifts, not just receive them, but actually exercise them. Wants to, to know the power of God flowing through their lives. If this is you, and if you're born again, this is what the Holy Spirit's been preaching to you every day. Believe me, then this is for you. You and I need to be humble and serve others. Not just be like the disciples who physically followed him, but then they're arguing on the road. And what are they mostly arguing about? Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Well, the one that's going to be the greatest in the kingdom is Jesus. Imagine that. How embarrassing. And then Jesus has to do what? Sober them up. One time he brings a little child. It's like, you got to be like this child. Imagine them like, oh man, how embarrassing no no don't put that in your book oh <laughs> and later on john and the i'm gonna put that in <laughs> so this is an example of being humble and serving others this is mark 10 verse 35 i'm going to read it. it's also on the display here then james and john the sons of zebedee came to him saying teacher we want you to do for us whatever we ask and he said to them what do you want me to do for you he already knew he's like okay let's go embarrass you publicly now and let it be written down so billions of people will read this through the centuries what do you want me to do for you they said to him grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory verse 38 but jesus said to them you do not know what you ask are you able to drink the cup that i drink and be baptized with the baptism that i am baptized with they said to him we are able okay so jesus said to them you will indeed drink the cup that i drink and with the baptism i am baptized with you will be baptized but to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give but it is for those for whom it is prepared and when the 10 heard it so the other disciples of the 12 james and john were asking this the other 10 disciples including jews iscariot including you know peter when they heard it they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. That was also a form of disrespect to the others. Like, yo, you're, you're trying to get some kind of a closer position. They began to be displeased with James and John. Verse 42, But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, Now here's the learning. Here's the application. He's goofing them. right? Put them on public display now. Because they're asking him publicly. You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and the great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. As soon as they heard that word servant, they're probably like, oh, I think we need a new rabbi. <laughs> now I'm sure they didn't want to hear that, just like your flesh doesn't want to hear that. And here's the next verse, verse 44. And whoever you desire to be first shall be slave of all. So if that word servant didn't convict and crucify you, now when you hear you're going to be a slave and a slave of all people, and guess who's going to be the one to exemplify that? Jesus. He says, you want to be first? Okay, you got to be slave of all. And verse 45, again, this is the context now of the text. Of Mark 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give His life a ransom for many. So our illustration, think of, of Jesus you know, sacrificing Himself, going to a cross. Let's come back to Romans chapter 12. Again, verse 3 says, I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of Himself more highly than He ought to think. You and I... Have a problem. Again, it's, let's do this again, can't we? Point to where your problem is. And if you're married, don't point to your spouse. (laughs) And if you're my wife, don't point like this. (laughs) She says if you point like this and, you know, you got three pointing back at you. Okay. (laughs) No, you can't do that. So this is our problem many times. He says not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think soberly. So God has a way of sobering us up. He's gonna humble us every now and then. We just read of one of the stories. There are many stories in the Gospels. It's like, I think it's chock full of humor, in a way, if you look at it. And later on, after being empowered by the Spirit, which is Acts chapter 2, these disciples, the followers, became apostles, those that were sent. He sends those that He empowers first, though. And that's you and I. We need His empowerment. Amen? But what might be getting in the way is what's between this finger and this finger. My thought life. I think too highly of myself. Let's all stand, please. We're going to close with a word of prayer. And if I could just splash this out there, I'd love for us to be able to do, sweetheart, if you're okay with this, Susan, next week. Okay. Can I just mention it? I was wondering if I should surprise you because John 13, Jesus, when he washed feet there was no prep for it it's just like okay i'll teach you example i'll give you guys a little heads up so next week i would love for us to be able to do a foot washing here pedicure time, pedicure time oh boy so the purpose is to follow the example of jesus for the husbands that are here it'd be great if you want to wash the feet of your wife I need to do that with my wife. I even told my kids, "Are you okay if I do that?" Not as the pastor, but as your dad. And right away, what happens? I know what happens in my head and my pride. It's like, well, what would that look like? You know, you sit there, and all the self-based, selfish type of thoughts come in. And I got to just confess this to you guys: I got to be able to serve not just my wife and my kids, but you guys, and to humble myself. So We want to open that up for next week. If anybody wants to partake. If you don't want to come next week, that's up to you. But we're going to be able to do that. God willing. Please pray for us in that. And families can do that with one another. I think that'd be, I don't want it just to be a a big, like, oh, we're having a bath. (laughs) But a thing where we would proactively apply these things. That I need to be like Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. He humbled himself came here as a bond servant and humbled himself even further in john 13 and washed feet and then humbled himself even yet further and went to a cross and he's still serving you and i as our great high priest father in heaven we thank you for how you humble us lord Oh, Lord, we thank you for these things that you tell us. They're so brilliant what you say, and even how it's strategically, methodically laid out. You want us to dedicate our bodies to you as a living sacrifice, and we must surrender our lives to you that your spirit would help us and renew our minds. You're already waiting for that. But Lord, as you tell us the the first thing that you want us to do to have a renewed thought life, you're telling us to not think so highly of ourselves. That's the problem. That's perhaps why we don't see. Perhaps why I don't see in my own life your spirit to flow as much as I want. Perhaps in in my life, perhaps in our lives, why we don't see and experience your gifts flowing like living water. Maybe we're in the way, God. So we ask, can you please empower us by your spirit? Help us, Lord, if you would have us to simply and follow your example that we would wash feet they would humble ourselves God that it wouldn't just be a fun exercise but it would be an application in obeying and following you help us to do these things Lord but give us empowerment and Lord as we are about to also do this outreach we ask for your protection your leading your guidance please help us Lord help us win souls he who wins souls is wise Lord teach us these things and help us to humbly follow You. For we ask and pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Alright, God bless you guys.